adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Welcome to Rete This Way, a cultural podcast that brings the latest and greatest news from the world of Syria and European soccer. My name is Michael D'Angelo. With us, as always, of course, we have Paolo Nobaloni Mangoni. Welcome back, everyone. Happy holidays. And uh, we have uh, Mr. Chris Baselli. Hello, everybody. And, of course, Julian Paggio D'Angelo. How's everybody doing tonight? Julian, did we, come up? we didn't come up with a new one last week. Not we yet, supposed no. to? We talked about it, but we didn't get one. We never actually did it? No. Uh, okay. Uh, Shit. Uh, did you hear this lyrics here? Hold on. Yeah. We're still perdendo? That's, is that like the Juve anthem? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bastard. Uh, welcome to the show. Ooh, we're in a fiery mood tonight. Yeah, well, everyone's uh, filled up on, uh, you know, Christmas dinners, so. Yes, true. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Christmas joy. Yeah, Christmas joy. Uh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> Christmas joy. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the sparkle of Christmas is now, of course, over. We're uh, we're the twenty week of the twenty seven this week, so obviously there's uh, no more Christmas festivities, but there is the New Year's to look forward to, uh, and of course uh, Lebefana, which is the sixth. Uh, we'll have another show before that, though. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that's yeah. We'll get into it. What you and us, we will all talk about this offline. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about what next week's show is going to be, and maybe we'll maybe we'll drop a hint. Yeah, we'll, maybe. Drop it. we'll talk about. It. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. It's uh, my favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> There's no actual uh, uh, games to get to, so yeah, I think, I think people would probably can take a, a hint. But exactly. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Maybe perhaps um but uh we do have some games obviously to get through because uh, even though christmas was this weekend there was midweek last week so we do have some calcio to review uh in the first half of the show we also have a discussion point which we'll get to obviously uh and then the second half of the show we had a great conversation uh with nick at uh milan econ uh, Mi- milan economista is that what is uh, milanista economista Mil- uh, milanista hey, i like that that's even, that's even better it's uh, mine was stupid his smart <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah great conversation so make sure you're uh, you listen to that because it was uh, it was a fun time for sure um we we talk uh, doom and gloom, of course, of the league uh, stat, status of the league. How uh, City is about to shut down because of how poorly they're managed. Uh, <laughs> we go through it all. We go through it all for sure. Um, okay, let's. Uh, why don't we get into it? Because we've got again those to get through, and then we don't want you to uh, wait for this interview because it's gonna it's gonna be a good one. So we'll start off with uh, the game that wasn't which was uh, Udinese Salernitana 
um, because it literally was not. They they couldn't travel, right, Paul? Yes, they exactly. They couldn't travel. Uh, same situation that would happen with uh, Napoli and Juventus uh, last season uh, happened again. They didn't learn their lesson and still allowed the game to be played. Which, if history is a uh, is is a precursor, Salerni Tana will eventually appeal and most likely win the appeal. So, if that's if a big if they yeah. are still a team. <laughs> it might not be in the budget for them to appeal. Yeah, so. yes, exactly. It's that or pay Rebury his weekly wages. So. God. Uh, Paul, just to quickly give some context to that. Okay, yeah, so if uh, they don't find a buyer to buy the team from Lotito in four days, uh, in four days, exactly, four days, <laughs> then they'll be excluded from the league. Now, why is it just because of a uh, liquidity issue? What's the issue there? So why? the issue is. Yeah. You can't have the same owner uh, for two clubs in the same league. Which they've known about this since Salernitana were promoted. Correct. Okay. So in for like in the in the interim, they were placed into a, a trust. But right. a trust is only a temporary thing. In theory, they could extend it to, to the end of the season, but most likely Salernitana will get relegated. So I don't know. It, it, it won't it, matter. It won't matter. So I, I, I there, I understand the rules, but it, it shouldn't matter because they're going to get relegated. It shouldn't. It should have never got this far. Though, no, right? no, obviously not. I mean, no, they, yeah, the, the rules aren't new. They knew Salernitana was getting promoted in what, like April? Yeah, May. Yeah, May. So uh, this should have been sorted before they even kicked off the season. And it, it looks bad on the club. It looks bad on the league in general. Yeah, this is a disaster. Yeah, this, again, this is something similar that we would talk about in, in the upcoming interview later on. But, like, it's just their uh, Syria is just a marketing disaster class that seems like they don't give a shit and, and they go from one crisis to another. Yeah, they, they just don't want No one wants to give up anything, right? So it's, yeah. no one wants to give. I Any have control faith that a buyer named Claudia Lotito will come through soon <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, yeah, I think I can't remember. I read something about uh, about a guy who's interested in buying it and most likely has links to Lotito as well. So, Mr. Strub, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Strub, exactly. Yeah, Is that 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 um, that, that picture there with, with Lotito holding two phones uh, that, that made the rounds on 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 Twitter the other day. Yeah. So yeah, yeah same same damn shit. Oh god, different. But day. Uh, yeah, same shit, different day. And then, like I said, uh, COVID protocols—you uh, still allow the game to be played. Like, yeah, that's again, that's a different. Uh, yeah, you're right. Same, same shit, different day. Same shit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh god. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. Um The next game on. Uh, so this was on Tuesday. Uh, next game on Tuesday was Genoa Atlanta, and that actually ends in a scoreless draw. Uh, so neither team able to break uh, the deadlock there. Uh, the next game was Juventus Cagliari, uh, and uh, this game was actually, um, I mean, it was it was a good game from Cagliari, who obviously have struggled this season, and you know who else uh, to show up against than uh, Juventus, who are also struggling heavily this season. Uh, but uh, yeah, they both put in, um, you know, I guess decent performance. Uh, Juve. Uh, gets the opening goal in the 40th minute. Uh, Bernadeschi kind of cuts back uh, after he's drawn two defenders, crosses it in, and uh, Moisekin is uh, there in the yeah, just in the middle of the box and doesn't even like need to do much of the header. It just kind of 
he just looks in the direction of the goal, hits off his head and goes in. And it was, uh, again, it was simplicity, but it was a perfect, uh, perfect header. And it's one, nothing Juve. Um, Dalbert misses a, a sitter for Cagliari. And then uh, in the second half, Joe uh, Pedro off of a, um, a, I guess a free kick, uh, it gets a, a, a header point blank range. And Chesney, Sir Chesney is there to, uh, to bat it away. And then in the 83rd minute, uh, the man of the match, honestly, Bernadeschi, ends up getting uh, a goal. So, Paulo, this is his first goal for in, in City A in, in 513 days. In 513 days. So there you have it. And uh, again, it was uh, it was a nice goal. Actually, he kind of he gets the ball. Um, I think Kulusevski passes it to him from mm-hmm. the other side, and uh, he is kind of on the left side of the goal and just manages to kind of. Uh, aim a low shot opposite corner and it, it's the perfect angle where it uh, beats the keeper and just finds the, the corner of the net um, and uh, yeah, it makes it 2 nothing, and that's how it ends, 2 nothing for Juventus so they get their win over Cagliari uh, and Bernadeschi uh, justi- justifiably gets the man of the match he has been uh, a solid performer for Allegri he hasn't basically hasn't played in 513 days, but he's uh, his first goal in 513 days. Um, so uh, I saw a stat. In, yeah. in, in December, he has uh, directly been involved or directly and indirectly been involved in four goals. Yeah. Uh, and then, so one goal and three assists. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure. He had a good month in December. Well, hands down, it, it's just there. he's being utilized, obviously, a, a little I mean, differently, but better by Allegri uh, than the previous two managers, at least. But he, especially since the injury crisis, he's been leaned on more because he's been available. And, you know, that's, it's almost like uh, it's necessity that they need to play him, but he's actually been performing well enough to um, earn that, which is great because, you know, he hasn't uh, been able to do that uh, uh, up until this season, really. Uh, still, up until off, this right? month, in my yeah, opinion. up until December. Yeah. But uh, again, he he's almost yeah, uh, Federico on the spot, um, basically a stopgap until uh, Chiesa can come back, which it looks like uh, he'll be back hopefully in um, early 2022. The, what I had okay, sure, you had a good game. What I had was uh, what I had a problem with was the standing ovation. So you <laughs> like. You're giving a player who hasn't scored in 513 days a standing ovation. Yeah, they're trying to support him because of you know he's you know stayed true to the club. He's been you know there to again like I, I understand Apollo. I understand you're gaffing or guffawing at it rather uh, because it's Bernardeschi, but it's still it's justified because he literally it, it, it's he saved their. December, basically, right? Like, he, he, it could have been uh, a much different stat line for Juve after, what is it, 19 games played, right? Mm. But now, they're, whereas I didn't think this was possible four weeks ago, uh, they are competing again for the top four, right? After, uh, after Atlanta draw and, and, and they get their n- another win. So they're only four points back a fourth spot now. So, again, it's, it's almost, I mean, it, it's deserved. It's deserved. And what, they're what, 12 points behind first place? I think it is. Julian, help me out. Uh, yes. I yeah. Don't have the table. 34 to 46. Yeah. 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 
Oh, less the less less said the better because I'm, <laughs> honestly, okay. just oh, Jesus. Anyway, move on. <laughs> All right, uh, that was Tuesday's games. So three of them, and then on to Wednesday, uh, we started with Sassuolo Bologna, and uh, Bologna actually come away with a three nothing victory here. Orsolini in the thirty sixth scores uh, Hickey in the forty fourth with a nice one, and uh, Santander in the ninetieth uh, for Bologna seals it for uh, the win. Um, moving on here, we had uh, Venezia hosting Lazio. I think I heard it was something like the first time in 20 years, in obviously in um, uh, at Venice's home, home stadium there, Venezia's home stadium. Uh, and actually, the first goal ended up being our goal of the match day. So let's hear that. Only chance here for Lazio with Petro. He's got a long way, and he scored a very early goal. Barely three minutes gone. And a man who's in terrific goal-scoring form right now does it again. Carnage in that away end. The perfect start for Maurizio Sarri. It was amazing run there by the Spaniard. Amazing run indeed. He's uh, Pedro gets the ball at about half and uh, kind of carries it the whole way. Gets uh, through, kind of slices through the, the midfield of... Uh, of Venezia and uh, finds his way to the top of the box where he slots at home. Uh, and like the commentator said here, it's a very early uh, one nothing lead for Lazio. Uh, three minutes in, uh, it's cut to uh, 1-1. Eventually, Forte scores, uh, but uh, then a Cherby scores in the second half and Luis Alberto as well to make it 3-1. That's how it ends. Uh, Tesman had a red card in the 90th minute, though, as well for Venezia. Uh, the next game up, we had uh, Verona hosting Fiorentina. That ends in a 1-1 draw. Lasagna in the 17th uh, is uh, matched by Castrovilli in the 81st, and that's how it ends. Uh, and the next game, we had Inter Milan and Torino. So this one was always going to be um, a bit of a cagey game, especially with the way Juric normally sets up his teams. Um, so it was... First chance actually fell to Torino. Piazza had a nice chance from just outside the box and hit it just, just wide. Um, so it was on target. It was definitely one nothing Torino. Uh, from that point on, Bastoni actually had a breakaway from around half, which was kind of funny to see. Um, but, of course, being center back, was not able to score. Um, Inter had another good move, though. Uh, kind of a quick counterattack. Jekyll running in through the top of the box. Laid it across kind of backwards. Brozovic dummied it, and it fell to Denzel Dumfries, who was, had actually a very, very well-placed shot low into the opposite corner. Um, put Inter up one nothing. From that point on, Inter uh, played very well defensively. Didn't really give much to Torino, and they managed to hang on to that 1-0 victory. There you have it. one nothing, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll understand... Uh... More about that, I guess, when we go over the table. But uh, more, more about Chris's boo. <laughs> uh, okay, next up, uh, why don't we talk about Empoli hosting Milan? Yeah, I, I don't want to put, um, or I'm not going to put uh, Empoli in At- Atalanta's tier or category. But when I, I say Empoli are reminding me of Atalanta when they were coming onto the scene as a, you know. A, perennial top four club anyways uh, I'm just referring to kind of their free-flowing attacking play 
And I'm starting to notice that more and more these last few games uh, as I pay a bit more attention to Empoli. And this game was kind of no different. Um, and again, I'm not comparing Empoli to Atalanta, just kind of how, like I said, um, free-flowing, attack-minded they are. And, and the games are really just fun to watch, whether you're a neutral, whether you're an Empoli fan, Milan fan, doesn't really matter. Um, so interesting starting 11 as well for Milan. Uh, Frank Kessie played in the number 10 attacking midfielder position. Um, for me, just before I kind of go into details, I thought this was kind of stubborn from Pioli because there clearly wasn't a true attacking midfielder available, um, but he still went and played, you know, the exact same formation with very similar tactics that he's been using all year, despite not having, you know, the ideal player profiles to do it. So uh, that's just kind of my one bone to pick there, but uh, speaking of Kessie, uh, off to a good start, 12th minute, he uh, volleys, um, I believe it was a rebound, um, to make it 1-0 for Milan. Uh, but six minutes later, uh, Nadim Barami, a uh, good finish from the attacking left side of Empoli, um, shoots it far post. Um, so that lead did not last long, but that made it 1-1. Empoli, uh, and then it was the 42nd minute, uh, so just before half, um, Frank Kessie made it, makes it 2-1. I thought Vicario should have done better. I thought this was a bit of a, of a lucky one for Milan, a bit of a lucky one for Kessie, and Vicario probably wants this one back, but it was 2-1 going into halftime. Um, 63rd minute, Florenzi, who I've mentioned the last few weeks, he gets about one good long shot per game, which usually just misses the target, but he was given the the honors to take a, a free kick here in this match and um, does well with it. That makes it 3-1 Milan. And then Teo Hernandez in the 69th minute, uh, it actually went off an empty defender's hand, um, but because Teo Hernandez, there was obviously no need for it to go to VAR. Um, and actually, sorry, it did go to VAR, and I think they were checking to see if it touched Teo Hernandez's hand. Clearly didn't, so that made a 4-1 game pretty much over at that point. Um, Empoli didn't roll over by any means, uh, and they did earn a PK in the 84th minute after a Bakayoko handball, and Pinamonti put that away to make it 4-2. Uh, a couple of crosses... Uh, during the last five minutes, but that was pretty much it. So 4-2 for Milan, and they went into the winter break with the three points. There you yeah. go. I just want to comment on that, uh, the empty the wall on that yeah. Florenzi free kick. Like, Ronaldo-esque? Yeah, yeah, kind of, actually. That, that, that's a good point there, Michael. But, like, something didn't line up properly. So, like, there ahead. was... Yeah. Yeah, though that's a good point. There was somebody in the wall who turned their back and or jumped and disconnected from the wall. And I don't know if, if he stays there, if it hits him, but you can tell Vicario was definitely upset with how the wall did their duty. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. You you line up where the goalkeeper tells you to go and you need to stay there. And yes, sometimes it means you get hit in the pali or whatever, but um, the goalkeepers were lying on... Or hit by the pali. Pali, <laughs> yes, <that too. laughs> the goalkeeper is relying on on those three or four or five guys to block a certain part of the net. So uh, it, it wasn't the best free kick. It wasn't the worst free kick, but the wall didn't help for sure. Hmm. Uh, just another point too. I think that was uh, Kessie's like first double without a without any like penalty penalties in like yeah. six like five six years or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he. I don't think he's scored too many braces in his lifetime, so that that makes sense. 
Yeah. So then uh, one more step before Mike, we can move on. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Kessie has in 2021, like the, the calendar year, scored 13 goals. Only uh, second to Kaka. So like the, so the for for midfielders for in Milan midfielders. Oh wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's uh, move on here. Uh, Napoli Spezia was the next game on the docket here. And uh, uh, Julian, you actually have a fun stat for this one, or Paulo, who wants to? Um, I have oh. it here. Yeah. So Spezia was the first side to win a Serie A game without firing any shot on target since this data was collected in oh four oh five. So Spezia don't get a shot on goal, and they win the game one nothing. Because of a one one Jesus own goal in the thirty seventh minute. Yeah, so uh, remember we were saying before uh, somehow like Thiago Mota when his job is on the line <laughs> has been getting results. <laughs> I, it, shocking because he didn't do that as a player. Heyo. <laughs> 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 and uh, and and there was a recent report I think it was this this on the weekend that uh, that he can't be sacked. Uh, he's unsackable. He's unsackable, yeah. <laughs> uh, for the next year, I think it is. But after his contract is up, uh, they're looking, Spets is looking to give a contract to Marco Giampaolo. So, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I like uh, pick your poison here. Um, at this point, might as well keep Thiago Mota. Then they're going to go for Ventura next. Exactly. Ace Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura, Chris. No, I think he retired. Ace Ventura is welcome. The other one. (laughs) Bad detective. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, uh, Chris, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, You know, you had Jim Paolo as the manager at Milan, so. Yeah, I mean, he was there five games, so I don't know. I I can't really judge him on what he did at Milan or Torino, for that matter. The only thing I can think of for why they would want to bring him in is that he did do a good job at uh, Empoli, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which obviously would have been a, a much smaller, not much smaller club than they are now, but they, they were a small club, um, you know, not in Serie A for too long. So maybe that's what they're after is somebody who could work with the smaller budget um, and still keep them up. But I mean, uh, that, that, that's a tough one. Yeah, but you're right. He Every time Moto's job is on the line, he seems to pull out a point or three points, but they're only five points ahead of Genoa, uh, and Genoa have not won a game in their last five. So in that's Syria. not really in Serie A. Yeah, yeah, so that's not much to speak about. Yeah. Michael, yeah, there you have it. Uh, so again, Napoli lose, uh, and we'll get in the we'll get into the table, I guess, in a little bit as well. But basically, uh, what what you need to know is that Inter remain, you know, on this uh, fantastic run of of win streaks here. They're uh, first in the table with 46 points. Uh, Milan are in second with 42. Napoli, having lost, are uh, still in third, but are now only a point uh, in front of Atlanta, who drew. So with a win, they could Atlanta could have leapfrogged Napoli, but uh, they end up, again, one point shy of that third position. And uh, like we mentioned before, Juventus are in fifth position now with their win versus Roma. Fiorentina draws uh, at 34 points. Uh, to be again two points back of fourth and three points, uh, or sorry, four points back of fourth and five points back of third. So again, th- things which looked unreachable are starting to look within reach. Uh, and I mentioned Roma now. Paulo, uh, 
you want to talk about Roma here. Yeah, so uh, they drew Sampdoria 1-1. Like, the, the biggest news from this game is that Abraham went off injured at halftime. Um, you know, before he came off, he had uh, you know multiple chances uh, in the first half, uh, but failed to capitalize from him. Uh, so then Sampdoria came into the game uh, through Kondreva, who hit the post, who's, who's been having a good season, you know, uh, so far. Um, Roma had a clear-cut chances to uh, clear-cut chance to take the lead, but it w- were denied by Falcone, who produced a great double saved uh, from a Zaniolo shot and then a Finnegan shot from within the box. So Roma finally got their goal through Shomorodov uh, after he gained the box with the one through uh, with the one-two with Zaniolo. His initial shot was blocked, and then he had two chances to get the shot on target, and which went past Falcone's near post. Uh, Roma were pressing for the second goal. Uh, Zaniolo was played in on a 1v1 uh, against Falcone, but the same keeper came up with a great palm save to push the ball away. And then uh, I believe it was El Shawari who put uh, the rebound over the net. So uh, Sam Dore, as I said, drew level uh, from a corner uh, after Skilson headed the ball to the to the back post. Quagarella kind of played it across the box. Uh, Coley uh, tried to get uh, his foot on it. It was stopped by Rui uh, Patricio and then uh, Gabbiadini for his fifth goal of the season. Kind of tapped it in. Uh, speaking about Gabbiadini, he has scored in four straight appearances. And then uh, Marino, after the game, said that Roma didn't play well compared to the game against Atalanta. But the fact that his team were the only one that were trying to play. He said that, quote, Sam Doria didn't want to play the game. So I, I, I refer, you know, I defer to our uh, resident manager here. Uh, you know, so sure, they, Roma didn't play well compared to Atlanta, but as, if you watch the highlights, they're the ones that produced most of the chances. So do you think it is unfair to say that Sam Doria didn't play the game or they had a game plan and they ex- executed it to perfection? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. They they had a game plan and they executed it. I think we we spoke about it last week when Roma played Atalanta, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's obviously we all not we all most of us you know, prefer to see an attacking style of play from our teams, and we you know hope that that leads to three points. But that's just not the that's not the case. That's not the way this game is played. It's not played on paper. Tactics play a big role, and so no, each manager is going to do what they feel gives their team the best chance at coming away with three points or a draw, you know, depending on who it is they're up against. So I think kudos to, to um, Daversa for doing what he had to do. Yeah. Which is, which is funny because uh, there's um, a Twitter account. I think in the North curve, he uh, does uh, merchandise and he's a Sampdoria fan. And, you know, he was complaining about Ranieri playing negatively, and 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 wanted to see more more of an expansive game at Sampdoria, and hoped that Derversa was the type of manager to do so with with what we saw at Parma with when uh, Kulusevski was on the team with Gervinho, etc. It's not the case. Uh, the players that are at Sampdoria were kind of built for Ranieri, and you can tell that he had to revert back to Ranieri's style to get points to save his job. Yeah, that's fair. It's similar, I think, to why we're not going to see the best out of uh, Juric and Torino, not to change the subject, but I, I think mm-hmm. it will take 
you know, a January and then into the summer transfer window for Juric to bring in more of his style of players before we really see what he can do with Torino. Mm. Uh, and speaking about that, I mean, Sam Thoria are now in limbo, as we discussed last week. Uh, their owner is, I think he's out on bail now, but he was thrown in jail for essentially fraud uh, by declaring a fake bankruptcy. Uh, they recently just got, I think it was today, they got a new president. And and we'll see if they can even make moves on the transfer market. I mean, they could be in a situation where they can't really reinforce the squad and Diversa has to play these types of games just so they can stay up this season. Yeah. Uh, Michael. Yeah. And uh, you know what, while we're on the subject, I think we can probably uh, segue into this pretty easily, but we had uh, a fan question from uh, Abdullah Al Kudari and uh, the question was, I guess around the, the January market here, but you know specifically with Romo. Now that we're on the topic, um, with uh, a healthy squad and reinforcements, special especially in midfield, uh, potentially coming in in January, can you see Roma finishing in that top four of uh, the league this year? So I guess you know just to kind of uh, restate where we're at at after 19 games here. So again, Inter are, are kind of well above the rest and with 46 points in first place there, Bland 42. Um, so just to compare where Roma are, Roma are at 32 right now. So 10 points separate them from second place, uh, but only seven points separate them from the third and uh, six points from fourth. So uh, who, who, wants to, who wants to go first? Here, I'll, I'll go first because I had Roma second. Mourinho effect. Exactly, the Mourinho effect. Uh, so I listen. I think there's a possibility. I always thought there was a possibility beforehand. Um, if they can get a midfielder, I think uh, Grealish. Uh, Chris, I think you watch the the Bundesliga. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not Grealish, but Grealish. Yeah, I think he's what uh, Austrian. Oh, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, but, uh, but I think he, he plays for Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's a midfielder. So yes, uh, to his point. Uh, to Abdullah's point, uh, you bring in midfielders, you get Pellegrini back, even though Roma fans hate him. Uh, you get uh, a, a, a Veratu who can remain, hopefully can remain consistent. Uh, Zaniolo seems uh, seems to be he's getting back into some sort of form. Yeah, I, I do think there's a chance that they make the top four. Like I said, I put them to finish second, so we'll see if my prediction is right at the end of the season. Anything can happen in 19 games, but they need they desperately need reinforcements in the, in, midf- in that midfield because the the second layer of depth that they had that they have at that position is just not good enough. Uh Darbo is not good enough at the, at this point. Uh who, who else was there? I, I don't remember the names because Mourinho's been playing the, the same starting 11 for the past like 5 weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean Gan Cristante, uh Diawara. Yeah, Diawara doesn't play anymore. Uh, yeah. so I mean, the, the, what what I what I do enjoy about about Mourinho, uh, to 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 the point that that will be coming on uh, in, the, in the interview, that he does play youth players. He did the same thing at at Inter. He launched a Santon's career there, and the, a player that I really did enjoy coming on uh, coming on against that um, in that blowout that they had. I can't remember against who though, but they lost uh, they lost big. Um, they I think it was Bove. 
young player who I thought had an, a positive impact on the game, even though uh, they were losing big. Uh, if the he, if he, the, yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I think uh, players like that, when that have like something to prove, could change uh, a season. Uh, for example, Santon when he shut down Ronaldo. That's the biggest example that I can that I can put out there. Oh, I'll go next. Um, I think top four this year is is not a realistic landing spot. I know Paulo is disappointed with that answer, but <laughs> I, I think for all the reasons that you know you mentioned Paulo and that we probably mentioned in previous episodes, there's, the depth isn't there for me. I think there are some nice pieces there. Uh, you know, Abraham Zaniolo. I do like Pellegrini. I think that too has a role to play there. Obviously, Spinazzola coming back will will help, but I don't see it being possible this year. Uh, again, just when injuries do come in and every club has to deal with them, there just isn't enough depth to keep up with what you know Mourinho expects with his standards and with what he wants to play in terms of style of play and you know tactics tactics wise. So I don't think it's possible this year. But again. Uh, I don't expect them to be too active in January, but come this summer, if they can bring in another starter or two and then add some depth players uh, so that somebody like Cristante isn't playing, you know, week in and week out. And um, uh, Vina, sorry, Vina is another player I do like, but if they can bring in some more depth, then I think next year it's a different conversation. Juliano? Um, I need a soundboard for this. So you know the dumb and dumber ones, like what are the chances of a guy like you, <laughs> a girl, a girl like, me. like me, <laughs> not good, one in a thousand, more like, more like one in a one million. million. Those are Roma's chances. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They just, it's not gonna happen. There's, regardless of their squad being that far back, they have to hope for, basically. Two of Atlanta, Napoli, or Juve to kind of really free fall without Fiorentina or Lazio also catching speed. Like, yeah. I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah, and, and to that point, again, Fiorentina obviously having a strong season. And, you know, Lazio are as well. They're, they're only a point back at Roma at this point. Um, I think we we're only really starting to see kind of Napoli at this point really struggle a little bit, whereas the other teams are starting to pick up, you know, pick up the pace a little bit more. Uh, Juventus especially, they obviously were, were a lot, uh, they were in worse positions, obviously a little earlier now, but with a string of good good games, I guess, find themselves in the running for, you know, for that top four as well. So it's, they have to get past, like you said, past Juve, Atalanta, or Napoli. And... Perhaps Milan. Well, of course. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. No, but I, I think, again, that's, that, that is a good point, Julian, because, again, they're right now, like I said, six points back of fourth uh, and seven of third. So, you know, that's, that is uh, 19 games. A lot can happen. But, you know, that is still uh, a healthy gap for them to overcome. Or unhealthy, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> Uh, Chris made a good point. Spinozola is coming back. Uh, I, I think that and a combination of a couple of midfielders could could be the difference maker. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but you know, 
are Atlanta also going to get uh, some sort of reinforcement? Are Juventus going to get some sort of reinforcements? You've heard a lot about, and we'll talk about perhaps uh, in a future episode, just kind mm-hmm. of the, the ambitions of a Juventus at this point, right? Like it's, they're not the only ones. And if Roma don't do anything, these teams might, right? And actually, I, I think we've seen uh, s- some players linked to both. So, I mean, does that factor into it as well, right? Like if you end up stealing uh, a potential player for Roma for depth, uh, what, does that, what does that mean, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's depending on, again, like Chris said, like I think it, it looks more like the future is looking brighter and, and they can, again, they have a, a longer-term plan with Mourinho. It looks like perhaps going into next season they can kind of develop a little bit more and, and, and maybe stake their claim in top four, but I don't see this year realistically playing out the way that Rome would want it to. I, I'm looking forward to the back half. That's uh, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that because, again, we can talk about this for a good hour and a half. Yeah, and a, a 19-game uh, losing streak for Inter. <laughs> <laughs> they have 46 points at least they've basically secured uh non-relegation yeah, survival <laughs> survival yeah uh okay anything else to add guys uh, I'm, I'm good for for this topic I, I guarantee you we'll talk about this in the next like three weeks so oh definitely <laughs> yeah. definitely I, and uh you know again next week paul do you want to spill the beans uh well, yeah, the, the January is just around the corner, uh, and since uh, we have no um, cultural to review, uh, we'll have a nice in-depth uh, rumore uh, segment. Yes, yeah. I, I would have had a, I would have had something to play alongside your announcement there, Paulo, but uh, <laughs> yeah. YouTube has ads here, so uh, unfortunately, there you go. Mm, 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 mm. Come on. So, are you guys telling me that you guys are not dancing to that song right now? I was, I was, yeah, but yeah. but the rest, the other two, were not. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will next week when it's uh, yeah, it's yeah, when it's yeah, saving my energy. <laughs> Hold on, Rick. Let's try something here. Uh, make some uh, just talk quickly. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> just so I can try one thing. Paul's going to go a cappella for the rumor. Yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I, I, I'm also looking forward to the fact that there's another midweek as well uh, when they come back on the 6th. Mm-hmm. A big, a big uh, game day, isn't it? Like the... Yeah, it's Juventus Napoli. And then, but and then, isn't there like a game where like all the teams play on one game, one day? Isn't yeah, that the sixth. That's the sixth. The sixth. Yeah. There you go. The yeah. Sixth is, is that. But uh, speaking about Juventus Napoli, I think I, I sent you guys an article saying that uh, there could be a repeat of the fiasco that we saw at Udinese Salernitana, and a fixture oh, that bully. that invokes the same sentiments, which is Juventus Napoli, and which is hilarious. Could it could happen again because. I believe Insigne has tested positive, and Fabian <laughs> Fabian Ruiz has tested positive for COVID as well. But he's in Spain, so there will be diffi- uh, there will be some challenges for him to come back to Italy. Insigne is positive with 
Beaver Fever. <laughs> that's a that's a rumore uh, preview. Oh God! Wait. Oh my God! Oh, it didn't work. <laughs> oh, that's uh, why. Hold on. <laughs> that was a record scratch. That's all it was. Guy, I just I just got that joke there, yeah. Michael. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah yeah. 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 Some CanCon. Yeah. Some can, yeah. Some Canadian content. Yeah. Perhaps I, I won't. I'll, I'll keep the uh, the rumors until next week, so people tune in to to explain my my to hear our our thoughts on this insane situation. Yes, and and just justify why we said beaver fever exactly on yeah. uh, on the on a podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, then with that, why don't we take a break here? We've been uh, chatting for so damn long. Um, but we obviously have another great chat to get to. So, uh, yeah, what we'll do is we'll take a quick break here. When we, when we come back, we'll actually have uh, uh, Nick on the other side of the show to uh, have, a, again, a, a nice conversation with, uh, with the boys here. So give us a quick second. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Rated This Way. We have our own Zin Nicola now. That's, of course... <laughs> Uh, uh, you may know him at Milanicon. Uh, Nick, hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> we, <laughs> Thank uh, you we for fi- having me. Yeah, we finally have our Dean Nicole. Hey, it's, it's official. <laughs> oh, yeah, gosh. it's an amazing song, masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's especially culturally true to whatever Italians do. Of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. We all we all know. We we've been to the hills. Actually, this we one time I went to uh, I went to obviously visit family, whatever. And uh, my dad again wouldn't leave until he found this on a on a disc, a CD disc. So we had to go around to all like the auto routes, finding trying to find like songs from Abruzzo, whatever. Obviously, uh, it's. Uh, Eventually, eventually found it. So I have it actually on like a, a CD somewhere in my parents' house uh, because they love that song along with the the rest of the Abruzzo kind of music, uh, which again is is a little embarrassing. But uh, yeah, where, where are you from in Italy? Uh, I am from Brescia. My okay. parents are from Sicily, but like I grew up my whole cool. life in Brescia. Okay. Yeah, I'm we're I'm mountain folk. I guess Julian is also mountain folk. I see. Paulo is yeah uh, yeah Paulo uh, actually yeah you're like literally the next the next town yeah, over yeah we're we're all from well close to like the the hills of Abruzzo and and you know uh, we try to go back uh, as much as possible I know I've been there like you know five times in the last <laughs> five years so <laughs> yeah um, and uh, Nick you're in Calgary now right yes that's cool. where I live that's where I've been living for the past two years I haven't been able to go back to Italy. But soon, soon, yeah. soon I'll be able to go see so my parents. What kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine you'd want to. What, what brought you, I guess, to Calgary? Well, my wife. Ah. Uh, that's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I always a, wanted a to leave reason. Italy. 
<laughs> I always wanted to leave Italy uh, growing up, but then uh, one way or another uh, never materialized. And then I met my wife. She's from Calgary, Canadian right. through and through. So I moved here for her. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful story. That is a beautiful story. <laughs> um, now, uh, there's, there's got to be some sort of joke here with uh, Cagliari in Calgary. Is that, <laughs> does that happen enough? Uh, not as often as you'd think. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I believe a lot of people in Italy do not know the existence of Calgary. Of Calgary. <laughs> so that might spark a little bit of uh, jokes about that. But other yeah, than that, it doesn't, doesn't happen that much. Uh, for, for me, every time I go there, they always uh, get me to pronounce Cagliari because uh, the first you know, first few weeks when I'm back, I still don't have the Italian accent perfected, right? So if I do say Calgary, it sounds like the city of Calgary. So right. they, they, they they pump me. They they make sure that they, they make fun of me every time I go back there, uh, especially from my, my friends in Rome. So uh, <laughs> I, I always try to... On this show, at least, I always try to pronounce it correctly as much as possible. Yeah. And I mean, for English-speaking uh, people, it's quite a quite difficult sound. It's not an English sound at all, so uh, it's a learning curve for sure. Oh, definitely. I think the next closest, I think, just not confusing thing, but just fun thing that we have is uh, Atalanta and Atlanta. That's oh, just yeah. literally, you know, homage, I guess. <laughs> I honestly have never thought about that, but it's yeah. quite striking, actually. Yeah. And, hey, you know what? There's more links here because the Calgary Flames used to be the Atlanta Flames. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. One yeah. season. Yeah. See? Uh, so, no, so, Michael, th- thank you for mentioning that because that gets into to my question. Mm. Um, so, speaking about the Calgary Flames, uh, I know on Twitter you were talking about uh, – the, the stadium troubles with with the Calgary Flames and it kind of got me thinking in like you know the same that same week Milan and Inter released a, a new project so my my question I got two questions two parts so was what are your thoughts on the new Sensiro project and how are they similar to what's going on in Calgary well first of all I'm very happy about the stadium update in Milan because it's very needed Sensiro is quite old structure and to renew it and make it uh, a viable option for the growth that the clubs in Milan are expecting would take so much more money than you might think that it is not a viable option. Okay. So making a new stadium is a great idea. Uh, Obviously you have to fight with the municipality and um, find a way to incorporate the stadium into the area because they decided to keep the stadium where San Siro is in the same area, just slightly moved. Um, and and so that is obviously a point of contention because the stadium of San Siro is owned by the town, mm-hmm. by the city. So um, like the town hall has the last word on everything. So it was a long um, battle, but they managed to find... A little bit of common ground and after the uh, election they got the deal done and now they chose the uh, populous um, project uh, mm-hmm. the cathedral which I believe is the um, 
better of the two for the simple reason that does not look like any other of the Euro- European stadiums. Mm-hmm. While the competing uh, pr- uh, project was like very similar to like the Allianz Arena, uh, both the Turin one and the Munich one, and also similar to one the Metropolitano. So like a lot of arenas in Europe have that kind of shape. While this populist project is very different, so I'm all for that. And the most important thing coming with the stadium is the scalability of the economical growth for both clubs. Like being able to, like, put a lot of stores in there, mm-hmm. and especially exert, um, like, commercial growth. Um, not just on game day, but like every day of the week and like really exploit uh, like a new structure. So for me, it's because I've, I've been to San Siro uh, and it, it's kind of sad that that they have to, you know, demolish that stadium. You know, for me, I, I, I always on this show, I've always talked about how, um, you know, they should they should renovate it. But to, to your point that you said that it's it's actually economically impossible for them to do that, correct? Yeah, like it's not impossible per se. It just makes less sense to do so. Okay. Uh, it will cost almost as much as making a new stadium. And in the end, you'll end up with something that is structurally still a stadium that was built 40 years ago. Okay. Right. So, okay. Um, like... I'm also sad to to see San Siro go. It's mm-hmm. an iconic stadium, like the imagery and uh, the even just the size, the sheer size of the stadium. Because the new stadium will not be as big and will not take as many fans in. Yeah, that was, I was uh, going to ask, what is the capacity going to be? The capacity is expected to be between 60,000 and 65,000, which right. is pretty good. It's in line with most European arenas, but it's not the over 80,000 that the actual San Siro can hold. Uh, even though we have to be honest, like a lot of times there are like sections that are closed to the public. So very, very few times you get to experience the actual full arena being completely sold out. Mm-hmm. So um, like I am not opposed to like this kind of size of stadium, like sixty thousand to sixty-five thousand. That's, I think it's a pretty good size. Yeah, um, I think it's still again it, it it still trumps obviously what's Alliance uh, is like forty something I think. Yeah, right? yeah, forty-one I think it is. Yeah, so yeah. I mean it's it's still going to be kind of like the the. I, I think it could be the biggest stadium in in Italy. In, in Italy, yeah, still, yeah. Still. yeah. I have to look that up. Yeah, I will have to look that up too. Uh, but yeah, still, and like obviously, um, Juventus has way less local support than right. Milan right. and Inter do. Right. For obvious reason, Juventus is more of a nationwide mm-hmm. um, kind of deal, while Milan and Inter obviously have fans all over the world, but their main uh, fan base is based in Milan, so they will go to the stadium uh, more often than Juventus fans. Right. Uh, so it just makes sense to have a bigger, you know. Yeah, which sure. which was uh, which proof was the fact that uh, the game, the Juventus Calgary Calgary game was <laughs> uh, pretty much like half empty. There was like empty seats, uh, you know, 
uh, throughout the, throughout the stadium and when you know Torino hosted uh, excuse me uh, Inter hosted Torino and at least there was uh, what 40,000 still uh, still so <laughs> yeah. you know which is the capacity of the Allianz Stadium exactly exactly yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, so I just quickly hear Stadio Olimpico, obviously. So that's the one we were missing. They have a capacity of seventy. Okay. Oh, right. Right. So even so, after a rebuild, they'll they'll now have probably the top. But but aren't they also how old is the Olimpico? Oh, it's since uh, since nineteen sixty. That's when it opened for the Rome right. Olympics. So that's another stadium that most going to need going to need renovations. And I imagine I mean, they probably go a similar route, right? Well, they've tried to do that in the past, like the past. Uh, ownership uh, of Roma, I think, tried to push for a new stadium in Rome, but like they also encountered very, um, very harsh pressure from the city to not go that route, which is kind of the leitmotif for Italian stadiums all around mm-hmm. the nation. Like the uh, the town halls are not happy to let go of the property of the stadiums, which is the situation almost everywhere in Italy. Right. Uh, and that holds back all Italian clubs because they don't have the same opportunities that clubs abroad have to uh, monetize on the stadium ownership. So, so why is that? I've I've always I've, you know I've been to Italy like many times as, as I said and. Uh, why do they still don't want to give up uh, the property for for the stadiums? Is it is it because they're losing on uh, an, an income source? Well, yes, they do lose on an income source um, because anything that you do in the stadium, you will have to cut apart for the town hall and the city. But at the same time, it's still. Uh, they're still participating in the costs of upkeeping. Uh, and so I believe it's just one thing less that the town hall should care about, in a sense. On the other hand, um, what really motivates this uh, sentiment of many Italian uh, cities to keep their stadium, it's mostly conservatorism, keeping the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, changes are scary for a lot of people and especially if you're in a position of power where you rely on um, public approval making big changes is a risky thing to do you're okay. trying to get re-elected and making changes in Italy is um, like politics. risky business <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll have you know that they just won the global soccer award for innovation over there. <laughs> <laughs> Rick. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like uh, um, something that comes out of The Simpsons. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the Global Soccer Awards. <laughs> um, okay, I guess yeah. I mean, Polo, just to like again, he you mentioned before. I guess the Calgary Flames. I mean, just to kind of get off topic a little bit, right? They have they're having similar stadium issues and that's kind of where this topic came from right and they've i think it's it's now they both the the city said that the team had pulled out or something right so there's always like there's that battle like you, you mentioned right it's it's you know even between the city the city doesn't want to have to pay for uh you know sometimes the owners who maybe should fork up a little bit more money as well right yeah so 
little bit complicated because also in Calgary, there's been very recent elections. So there's a new mm -hmm. mayor in town. And right. there was a deal pretty much set up uh, um, yeah. beforehand. Uh, but now the new mayor came in and obviously reviewed the deal and realized that it's, uh, like a few things that would make uh, the stadium like safe uh, on a flawed standpoint or uh, other things that are all capped under the umbrella of environmental yes, uh, upgrades. Yes. Uh, but really, they're more safety than anything else. Um, they would make the arena, the new arena uh, meet the standards um, were not being uh, pushed through at all. Mm -hmm. And so she wanted the new ownership to, to pay for them. They don't want to pay for them. And so now there's this battle about for about like $20 million that are unaccounted in this whole process. Everything else has been split. Right. Uh, and has been decided the land is provided by the city uh the city is paying for um like half of the structure pretty much and the owner will pay for the other half but then these upgrades are they don't want to take out this extra 20 million dollars pretty much and so the owner of the flames and which you has been like kind of in the shadows for the past 20 years like he tries to always put his name behind the name of uh, the calgary flames or the name of um calgary sports and art right. uh, committee like he never puts his name in the front he doesn't want to be a protagonist in this thing mm -hmm. but now the mayor called him out by name she said he called me he said he's not gonna pay for this and so he wants for the town for the town hall the city to pay with public money while he's not paying his taxes apparently exactly. because yeah. he lives Makes in switzerland he quote-unquote lives in switzerland <laughs> so there's this whole situation that is um problematic and uh it's not very fun and then there's always the uh, Damocles sword that he could relocate the franchise somewhere else. He doesn't nah. have to stay in Calgary. So it sounds like a lot of again. This is like a politics. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it's the similar sentiments you're hearing, like out of a lot of mul like multiple teams. Um, I think in the NHL specifically. Because, like, again, that's their one trump card. Oh, hey, we can we can always relocate, right? So it's just a, it's it's stupid politics, one hundred percent. Yeah, and actually, you know, someone else uh, on this podcast uh, just just to mention it. So he might live in Switzerland. Technically, Paulo technically has a Saskatoon phone number. I <laughs> yes, think. I do. Is yes. that true? Still, that is true. Yes. <laughs> See, so he's also a shell corporation, Paulo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on here. So, Chris, why don't you? Uh, what did you have about? Uh, I guess you want to discuss something as well. Yeah. So, my question's uh, a bit more specific. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Pioli. Uh, more specifically, I'll let you know where, where I'm at with him. So, obviously, I don't think anybody expected him to still be where he is now. Uh, I think most of us thought it would be an interim hire and. 
you know, here we are. But I still don't think he's the manager to give Milan a Scudetto. And I don't think he's the manager that can help us succeed in Champions League. And when I say succeed, I don't mean win the Champions League. I mean, you know, maybe get to the quarterfinal or semifinal. Uh, so I'm just curious on your thoughts about Pioli. Is he the guy long term? Um, just kind of go from there. Well, uh the way Milan treated the renewal of Pioli, I think, tells you a little bit of what they also think about it. Uh, they like what is done, obviously, for obvious reasons. But they also know in the back of their head that uh, there's still a few steps that he will either have to climb himself or they will have to climb with somebody else. So they renewed him to 2023 with an option to continue with him but they can also decide in 2023 to part ways with him and go seek somebody else now i believe that pioli has done like a good job of bettering himself first of all because he was not this the coach that he is now is he was not this kind of manager in previous tenures um he learned he studied a lot and he became better at the same time, he still has some very evident defects. Uh, he's still not great at managing the game. Yep. And by that, I mean like choosing um, the correct personnel at the start of the game and also all the substitutions during the game. Um, very often baffled on what he does. Sometimes it works out correctly for him but most of the times you can see that there is something that is left to be desired and could be improved now again could he win the Scudetto this year I think he could he can absolutely now is this the most probable outcome I don't think so uh, Inter is still uh, the favorite for the run and Milan is just running behind them um so it will take a little bit of luck and it will take resolving the injury problem, which is, I don't know how much it is related to Pioli. Uh, honestly, at this point, it's hard to understand what the whole situation with the injuries is, but that's a whole different kind of worms. Uh, but yeah, like I, I believe that what it will do this season and next season will define um, his tenure at Milan. Like if he manages to win a trophy he will absolutely be renewed if he won't win a trophy then depending on the occasions that are available on the market the milan will move accordingly i believe yeah that's fair and i agree i think with with the injuries milan have had and we've talked about it probably in the last our last few episodes i don't think it's fair to pin it on him and i think any manager would struggle to you know put out a strong starting 11 but yeah i think even with the players that are there and when everybody's healthy, I agree. I think his in-game management, uh, I don't want to say it's poor, but it's just not at the level that Milan need right now. So whether it's making substitutions at the right time or making that tactical change at the right time, uh, I think, yeah, there, there leaves a lot to be desired there. So I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of his current contract, uh, it's just not renewed and hopefully somebody better is brought in. I think that's the other question now is, you know, who do you bring in if, if you were to sack him next week? And not that I think they should, but that's obviously the question they have to ask themselves. So, um, yeah, I, I think, 
he's he's good for now, but for me, not the the long term answer, anyways. Yeah, I, I I think we agree on this. Like at the moment, like sacking him wouldn't make any sense because there's of course I don't believe there's anybody on the market available mm-hmm. that would replace him and do a better job than what he's doing. So if yeah. the market opens up when his contract expires and there's a good manager available, then it will be a different story. But for now, uh, Milan is sticking with him because he's still doing a really good job anyway. And it's like following and it's even further ahead than the development the, that Maldini and Gazzidis were expecting from the team at this point in their tenure. Like when they started and they plan out the development for the team, they did not expect to be contending for the Scudetto uh, already. Right. Which is, which is like a little bit of, achieve, of an achievement. Then getting to the Scudetto actually is like a different story, but like being there in the Champions League spots, competing for the Scudetto was probably something they figured out uh, they will, would have been doing a little bit later. Down right. the line. Just to throw in there, I think there is one candidate, guys. You're forgetting about Andrea Pirlo. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Andrea Pirlo is banned from Milanello. <laughs> I don't think it's allowed in. Yeah, maybe now. Um, you make a good point uh, about Milan, and, and you, you know they're the kind of it's it's almost like a rejuvenation, right? Of of their uh, I guess. Their squad building, et cetera, with Maldini, he's he's really focusing. And I think Chris, we've talked about it multiple times, right? They're they're one of, if not, you know, I think in in Serie A, but in general, they're a very young team, right? So you know, this this squad to be able to kind of grow and and compete now, like you said, Nick, is 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 an achievement in itself. Now, my question again, if not this year, because I mean, yeah, it could happen. Of course, there's lots of things that could happen for a Scudetto, but. I think you're right. Uh, I think Inter kind of are the favorites at, the, at this point. Now, on the other hand of that, we saw obviously like a fall from grace for like a Juventus. So who do you think between, I mean, try bias aside, between the two of them, do you think either of them have a leg up on the other two kind of uh, reach that pinnacle again? Or do you think it's, it's uh, kind of a wash one way? Like between Milan and Juventus? And Juve, yeah. Uh well, I do not believe in Juve's project right now. Yeah. Uh, both on how they're constructing their roster and their manager choice. I believe Allegri is not the correct choice to rebuild. Like, he could be a good manager with a team that's already been... Um, constructed. Constructed and formed with affirmed players. Uh, when he has to deal with young and up up-and-coming players, he's not the right guy, in my opinion. Um, he leaves players a little bit too much to their to themselves on the pitch and to make their own choices, which is good when you're dealing with like um, the likes of Prime Chiellini, Prime Bonucci, mm-hmm. uh, Dybala, and all of these guys that he used to coach uh, and win Scudettos with, because they could do whatever they wanted and do it correctly. Uh, now, when you're talking about Chiesa, about the league, about Kulusevski, this kind of players that are young and they need uh, a structure to be successful in, um, I believe Allegri is not the correct 
manager choice for the moment they are. And then the amount of money they're um, wasting on him, oh, I yeah. believe, is completely insane. <laughs> yeah, no argument about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we're all in concurrence there. <laughs> Um, I think, yeah, I think there's, those are good points. And I feel again, like Milan do have, like you said, they, they're already on a, a good path. Whereas, like you said, the, the, the UV project, I, I don't think, again, a lot of us probably don't believe in, in the, the logic behind a lot of what they've been trying to do. It's almost like they've been trying to, uh, plug holes in a ship, right? While it's like, it's, it's, there's lots of leaks happening, right? So they're trying to like, get as money as much stuff band-aided you know on top of band-aids uh until they can kind of just float but uh realistically it looks like they're gonna have to kind of go the same way that milan went right so i think that's that kind of answers the question <laughs> um okay other uh julian you had uh you had some some thoughts well, yeah just uh just want to get your opinion i'm gonna be the annoying question i gotta bring up <laughs> um yeah so go ahead. he's clearly had a great start to the season with inter um do you think his departure has had a larger effect than most milan fans had thought originally because i know even chris here said he was inconsistent he would disappear game in game out um but i know for example milan now again it might be injuries as you mentioned but they actually had to start kessie in that number 10 role in their last game um, so do you think he's kind of left a bigger gap than originally thought? Or do you think they're trying to figure out where to go? Well, uh, like, for example, with Donnarumma, uh, his departure was literally a known problem because it was long expected. So Maldini and Masada prepared for it. They decided what to go for. They had the deal strike probably in February already. And... It was a cheap deal. They brought in a great player and they resolved the problem. With Chalanoglu, they kind of got caught out of left field with him leaving. They probably believed he was going to renew his contract with us. And he instead did not. They probably did not um, understand how much he was fed up with the team and with the way he was utilized, I guess. Uh, that's me going out on a limb because like, we don't really know what Chalanoglu thought. And so sure. at the first offer that Chalanoglu received from Inter, that was also something that uh, happened out of the blue because of Ericsson and what happened to him at the Euros. Um, then he had this offer that was a little bit out of the market and Milan wasn't ready to match that kind of offer. So it was probably the correct decision to let him go. Now, the problem was that they were not expecting it, so they did not have a plan for it. And that is kind of what happened. So they went out for the rest of the transfer window trying to find the correct um, replacement for him. And eventually they did not find a suitable occasion at the with the available money they had, which was not much. And so even the favorite deal at the end of... Um, the transfer window fell through and so they ended up um, going with Junior Messias, which is a good player and like I I have nothing against the guy, but it's not the replacement you want for Tanoglu, which was a very specific um, player in Pioli's 4-2-3-1 and Brahim Diaz, which was the new starter for us, does not do the same things Tanoglu did. 
more than anything, like people will talk about how much Chernobyl would come back on defense to help the team. And yes, that's very important. But I believe more than anything else is the pressing, is the way he would um, attack the opponent team ball carrier and make problems for the opponent. And this Milan team, as of late, with all the injuries and everything else, uh, we've seen a lot of attacking formations that did not press the ball well. And that's where we're seeing the most damage from Chanoglu leaving, in my opinion. If you had, I guess, one realistic target, who, who would be someone that Milan should target to kind of, again, fill that gap? That is a very difficult question. This summer, I was all about Sabitzer. Uh, but obviously, when Bayern Monaco calls, uh, it's very hard to compete with them. Even, mm-hmm. at, even if you offer more money, the, the player is probably going to go to Bayern Monaco. And being realistic, a lot of good players will still not come to Milan as of yet. I believe until we win a trophy, it's going to be hard to convince high-level players. Uh, so I believe that that's more the problem over money. Uh, in uh, anyway, other than that, I don't think I have a name right now that mm-hmm. is like realistical and available um, that will cover that spot as of now. It will have to be like a good scouting um, uh, masterclass to find a player that is not too expensive, is available, and is willing to come to mm-hmm. play for Milan. Yeah, I think, I think I remember Chris was also high on Sabitzer. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. And it's a shame because he's barely playing at Bayern. I know he's, yeah. he's been in and out of injury, but I can't remember the last time I even saw him on the pitch for Bayern. So yeah. maybe he's looking for a way out already. But yeah, <laughs> he's a good player for sure. Yeah, because a lot of names were circling around this summer. Uh, Vlasic was like an okay name I thought at the time, but then they also talked about like the likes of Isco, the likes of James Rodriguez, all players that are uh, definitely on the down physically that cannot provide the kind of pressing and defensive prowess that Chanaglu had. So, uh, like, if I have to choose between them and Brian Diaz, I'll, I'll stick with Brian Diaz. Uh, at least he's young and he has potential to grow, even though he's not the correct kind of player in that position on the field uh, for what uh, Milan has to do as a team in this kind of uh, tactical scheme. Uh, But yeah, there's a lot of names that circulated around that that were not the correct thing. And there's very few players with similar characteristic to Chanoglu. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe the right name is the one that we already have that Milan bought this summer, but then left in Bordeaux on loan. And there has been talks about him coming back. He's a player that I really like, and I believe he could do very well in that position. But until the end of the year, I don't think we'll see him in Milan. Fair enough. Uh, So I'm just going to jump in, because I know uh, before the Ampli game, Maldini was talking to, to, uh, to the zone, and he said that, you know, Milan fans should forget about the Berlusconi era. Is so? Do you think that's just to play down expectations because of the difficult season? Well, difficult season because of some of the 
troubles that are happening this season? Well, I think it's uh, more of a... Um, well, in part, yes, absolutely. Uh, but the correct sentiment behind that is that they're trying to have a project and to develop the squad in a sustainable way. And that's not what the Berlusconi era was. The Berlusconi era was, what's the best player available? I'll put the money behind it because that will make me look good. Yeah. Now, this is not how <laughs> football teams work anymore. Yeah. And so fans can dream out as much as they want, but the, you, you need to um, look at every um, market move as uh, something that needs to be sustainable. And so... What Milan has been doing on the marketing side and securing new sponsorship deals and uh, increasing revenue, that's the correct thing to do. In the end, uh, revenue is going to dictate your expenditure power. So the more you stay in the Champions League, the more you can secure um, very lucrative sponsorship deals, the more you will have cash available every year to make purchases and to support the cost of salaries for all these good players, which is probably the most important thing, um, like supporting the salary cost, because um, like acquiring a new player is a one-off thing, but then sustaining his contract long-term mm -hmm. is what actually can cripple you financially, as we've Look, seen with Juventus. I was about to say, exactly, exactly. So... Um, I believe they're going the right way right now economically. Uh, and so that's what Maldini was trying to tell people. Like, don't expect us to go out and just get the best player available because maybe it will also make a, a lot of sense um, tactical-wise or, like, tactics-wise or curve-wise. Um, but then economically would not be sustainable and you will end up in a situation where you then have to let go of a lot of other players and so it's a lot of balancing between your sporting ambitions and your economical availability. So, um, again, I think they're doing the correct thing and uh, tuning, turning down expectations is a good thing in general to do uh, in this case. I think that that leads to a very interesting topic, I guess, in general. Um, so, I mean we've got the kind of Milan side, but I, I want to talk about uh, the league itself. And I mean, we see, you know, the likes of the Spanish league, you know, and, and I guess to a certain extent, even obviously the premier league is, is another beast in itself, but even, um, you know, the German league, they, they've, they've been able to kind of um, really solidify a lot more international kind of presence. Uh, whereas the Italian, the Italian league was literally fighting before the, right before the start of the season to get games in this country, right? So we weren't even going to be able to watch them legally until I think like 12 hours before the first game was yeah. supposed to happen. So what, do you have any comments or just any thoughts about, again, I, I guess the state of, of uh, Serie A and I guess where, what, maybe where they can improve, what their mistakes are and, and kind of what, you know, what they're thinking? So I've talked about this in the past. I believe Serie A is way behind everybody else in the way they um, market themselves. So first of all, the image that the Italian, Italian football has 
outside of Italy. It's an image of uh, an old kind of play, a very defensive football, not very fun to watch. And then the stadiums, uh, as historic and nice as they are, um, they don't look as good as the Premier League stadium or uh, even German stadiums when you watch them on TV. Um, and all of these factors like keep a lot of new watchers away. So there's a lot of work to be done in that regard. And But that starts from, and I connect myself to uh, the whole deal with the TV rights, to who you put your TV rights um, into. Like, if you give your TV rights to a random, mm-hmm. um, to the highest, the random highest bidder, you're probably not going to have a good product. You have to make sure that whoever is buying your rights is going to make a good job with your product. And because ultimately that's what people will see about your football is what they will see on TV everywhere else in the world. And so you have to make sure that Fubo TV in this case will do a good job of putting your games at the top of their page whenever mm-hmm. they're available. They make a good job of maybe having custom commentators and not just the regular default English speaking <laughs> commentator. Right. Uh, maybe have a better, make a better job of like having content around the games because right now we just have the games but there's no content built around it there's no pre-game there's yeah. no post-game there's no review no analysis no that's highlights a, that's nothing. such a good point because that's that's exactly it like there's you know look at again just to pivot a little bit but look at uh what just happened with the nhl which the nhl i wouldn't i wouldn't argue is is as uh <laughs> maybe on this <laughs> on the same level as city ad just in terms of you know, they're not really uh, great at selling their product as in like NHL hockey, but, you know, they just struck a deal with ESPN again and that's Disney, right? That's a, that's a big corporation that they're, they're starting to, again, like you said, bring up that content. They're, they're getting, you know, big names to uh, discuss, you know, current events in, in, you know, the state of the league. So like, you know, Wayne Gretzky is talking about hockey again and on, you know, in, in real time. So it, it's, it's that kind of content that, again, you're right, that, that doesn't exist at this point in this country. It might exist in Italy. I'm not sure if, to what capacity it does. Yeah, but... in Italy, there's Sky, uh, Sky Sport has been right. doing this job uh, for a long time. But even there, uh, then, like, there's this... Like, you still have this product in the end of Fabio Caressa. Which, as as much as we love him for yeah. how how he commentated on the 2006 World Cup, it's probably the, not the most mm-hmm. knowledgeable um, about football. Like he has a lot of hot takes. Like it's like um, Stephen A. on the NBA. It's like spits yeah, a lot right. of hot takes, but like most of it is. I don't want to say garbage. Garbage. <laughs> yeah. Get that garbage. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> But you know what? I, I'm just, again, spitballing here. Not that I've thought this through at all, but you're starting to have a lot more of these legends come to America too, right? To continue their career or whatever. But that's such a good opportunity for, you know, a Del Piero who lives in LA, you know, just in terms of growing your game, realistically, North America is probably the next biggest market for you. Because I think you have, you already have a little bit of a following in, in you know, Asia as well. Now, City A, I think like the, I think they have a big Indonesian following and, and I think a little bit of China as well. Uh, but obviously, I think 
and probably selfishly for myself, just I want to see that growth here as well because then you know it's it's more tangible for me. I feel it more if if you know the players who I watched growing up are also talking about it. And again, like you said, making that content for me to consume um, because without that, there's yeah, there literally is just it, it, it may it may as well be. I'm not sure if you. Actually, you've only been here a couple of years, but uh, before City I used to be on, you know, it's Rye. Uh, we used to have to subscribe to Rye, but it looked like the feed of, of the television looked like it was filmed on like a potato. It looked like it was <laughs> grainy. There was like, it, it wasn't HD, obviously. And it's, that's what you're selling to people. And people are going to watch because they have to, but it doesn't mean that more people are going to watch. Just the people who are already interested will, you know, there, well, there's no growth there. There's two things about this. One is that, uh, the quality right now is not good as is. We still get like 720p feed, and we don't only get that here, but they also get that in Italy on the zone, mm-hmm. which is quite appalling. There's pretty much uh, the only way you have to watch football in high definition in Italy is get a Sky Sport Plus the zone uh, joint subscription and then still watch the games on Sky. So Sky will give you the high definition feed in 4K. But the zone cannot handle that. Yeah, uh, actually, their servers have been abysmal. We're, yeah, right. I've, and, I've heard. And so that's that's a problem of moving everything into digital, which on one side I love because that's the future. On the other side, you uh, you need to have the infrastructure, and there's only one Amazon. So, yeah. and, and uh, I think the issue too with that needing infrastructure is that that's that takes a lot of coordination from a lot of different parties, right? So we're, we were yeah. talking about you know the cities and, and all that stuff. And that, that again takes, you know, even like you said before, the, the stadiums and stuff, the pitches of a Premier League team look way better than a, you know, uh, a 10,000 seat stadium in Italy. So you need to have everybody pulling in the same direction to really bring that to the forefront. And I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, absolutely. And, and then on top of that, you just have, um, a league that is not able to um, catch on to the particular moments that might be happening uh, marketing-wise. For example, right now, North America, as you guys said, is the next frontier for football. Um, there's a lot of development, especially here in Canada now with all these young stars mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. were born in Canada and they're making waves in Europe. Uh, for example, I was at the... Canadian national team game in Edmonton against yeah. Costa Rica awesome. and it was amazing <laughs> like literally nobody there at the stadium knew anything about football right uh, they were all hockey and like American football fans but they were there because it was exciting it was a new thing and there's a lot of potential in there there's a lot of people that are willing to get into a new sport if you're smart you you will chase after that market but if you don't know anything about it, you don't care, like uh, the leaders in Italian football, uh, in Lega Serie A and um, in Fijici, like all these people are quite old and they're not into this universe. They don't probably even know that North America is very ready to be consume. <laughs> to be to consume football. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you have to know it to get into that market. They probably don't because they're just dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, <laughs> and they're just their old ways. 
Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it unless you change who is in charge. Yeah. Paul, I hear you itching. Do you have any? Yeah. It, no. Exactly. No. <laughs> I, I, this was a, that was a great topic of conversation, and you know, I think it was a few weeks ago that I read that uh, the Legacy are in talks with. I think it was Charlie Stellano and uh, Messina from from IFTV about opening up a a marketing office in New York. But as you guys said, that only covers the United States and, and the fact that there's still, you know, another country with two rising stars, if, if all goes well, could be playing in, in the next World Cup that has, you know, 40 million people ready to consume that product that they're trying to sell. So, you know, just the fact that they're neglecting uh, an Italian uh, expats in Canada, to me, is the fact that they're only seeing North America through one lens, and that's the lens of the United States. And yes. to and to Nick's point before, again, it's it's almost short sighted, right? Because it's it's almost like they're going to where the money is right now. Like the Berlusconi, I want the one player who's you know who's going to draw in the big attention, right? <laughs> Whereas you know, realistically, you should probably have something that's that's able to you know span. Uh, that wider audience to kind of bring in, like grow the game as a whole throughout the entire continent, right? Right. May I say that it's very yeah. hard to have a long-term perspective when you're 75 to 80 years old? <laughs> you may, and you're right. Like, I'm just pointing that out. I don't want to say anything. No, but that's, and that's such a good point because there's, realistically, that's that's what... The people who want Syria to do well uh, are competing with because they have to compete against the people who are supposed to be doing the best for the league, and they're clearly not in the right state of mind, being, life uh, to realistically move that forward. They just kind of want, again, short-term um, profit, I guess, for themselves because then you're right, five years, they'll kick the bucket. It's 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 disappointing, especially from the fact that uh, there's just so much growth opportunity as we discussed, and and you know at least like at least in, in North America, uh, excuse me, in the United States, they have uh, you know CBS Sports that have mm-hmm. uh, you know Kata Boto um, doing hosting a show with with at least some sort of analyst. Here we get nothing, just the game comes on and you just start watching the game without any mm-hmm. uh, like in-studio content to, to kind of dissect and at least have a conversation with the Canadian audience. And, and then the, the fact that you can't, the fact that Fubo doesn't, uh, you know, play the, the, the clips uh, on, on Twitter and we have to wait until Syria, Liga, Liga Syria does it, you know, 48 hours later. I mean, what kind of real, real time interaction do you have with your fans that are not in the United States or in England? Yeah, none, none. Yeah. So you're, you're neglecting like 85% of the fans. Yeah. And I think Fubo in the States, I guess is CBS, whatever CBS is Paramount plus. I think Paramount plus is where they have the actual games and stuff, right? Yeah. It's the streaming platform for it. Right. But that's uh, again, there's and and again, I'm sure part of that is some legality on on why some companies can operate some ways, whatever, in different countries, and that that is a realistic hurdle that's that they have to overcome. 
But I think, again, our gripe here is if they're not even trying to overcome it, that's my issue. Because we've already discussed Canada's yeah. small potatoes. But... Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. 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 Okay, Sorry, uh... Nick. We're, we're small potatoes here. <laughs> Is that why you want to go back? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one, one last question for me. Because uh, Julian brought up uh, Chalinoglu and, and, and the truck artista position. Uh, today, I think the Marcel came out with uh, a name. I think it was Diallo from from PSG. If you had to choose uh, a defender or a trequartista, what would you choose to come in in January? Well, honestly, I would choose a trequartista because I believe that that that's the that's the let's put this like before any other consideration. That's what I would choose if I was um, coaching. Because the problem is uh, I would consider Kalulu as a perfect replacement for a center back in some games whenever we need to replace one of to- between Tomori or Romagnoli. Um, Pioli apparently doesn't see it this way. And so the only replacement we have is Gabbia. And, and so... Uh, if that's the mindset, then you have to go out and get a center back. Uh, otherwise, you're really short. Um, whilst I believe that Kalulu could do the job between now and the summer, and then in the summer you can go out and like maybe have more of a plan and like find uh, a more suiting player. Because right now they're juggling out names that they, they talked about Botman, which I actually like a little bit. Uh, Diallo, I don't really like. I find him very mistake-prone, and I don't think that's what Milan needs right now, which is literally the problem that Milan's defense have had, which is gifting the opposition goals um, out of nowhere. Uh, so I, w- I would personally not go with Diallo. And so... Yeah, I will look for a trequartista or like um uh like for for the right side maybe to play instead of Salemakers and have some more um important output on that right flank. Uh but I also understand that if Pioli believes that Kalulu is just a right back and cannot play center back, then you you have to go out and get somebody because uh Matteo Gabbia is not Serie A level, in my opinion, is just not cut for this level of competition. Yeah. Does that answer your question, Paul? Yeah, no, it does. It was, it was a great answer. <laughs> great answer. I, I don't know if, if uh, Chris agrees, but I, I like the. Uh, I mean, you can look at it from a bunch of different angles. I mean, the, the injury situation will obviously determine a bit of that, but yeah, I think. It would be good to see Kalulu get a, a few more minutes at center back beside Tomori, maybe. Um, I'm curious to see if Adli can play as a Traquatista a little bit. I know it's not his ideal position, but I'd be curious to see how he does there. Um, but uh, I have faith in Maldini and his team, so we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah, for, yeah. For, sure, go ahead, For Adli, just the, the thing is, like, he probably never really played in that position. But the thing is that that, that, that position in Milan's uh, tactics is not a real trequartista. It's more of a box-to-box midfielder that really needs to have quality and quantity at the same time. 
So that's why I believe Adley can do really well in that position, even though he probably never played that much forward on the pitch. Um, like it's more of a, um, a tool for an objective than uh, a position on the field. Uh, the consideration that you have to do for that kind of position, which is very tricky in the 4 That's fair. Michael? Okay, well, hey, uh, that's... We've been talking for a long time. I think we we got to let you go just because otherwise I think we could probably talk for another couple hours realistically. <laughs> but yeah. do me do me a favor. Will you come back on? We'll have you back on and we'll, we'll maybe when, I don't know, maybe if Milan's in a crisis, we'll have you on and we can <laughs> talk through some things or even not. But Yeah, you can have me on whenever you want, guys, uh, whether it's a crisis or we're doing really well or, <laughs> or it's a Tuesday, whatever. Normally. Yeah. Uh, okay, if you want to have me again, for sure, hit me up. I'll, I'll, I'll be available. Okay, awesome. Uh, okay, so again, what's the uh, the Twitter handle? The Twitter handle is at Milan Econ. So you can find me there. From there, you can find the links, the links to uh, my podcast and uh, the other things I do. Uh, and that's about it. I don't do many things these days. But... <laughs> I said that. Just... just endure the cold calgary weather yeah it's it's been quite tough lately uh, yeah. it's been a lot of days of minus 25 and minus oh 24. man it's not it hasn't been that bad here yet but it will get there don't get me wrong but uh yeah i don't i don't i do not envy that at the moment yeah uh okay guys do you have any any other questions before we kind of log off here Good for me. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thanks, Nick, for joining us. Uh, and again, we'll we'll definitely have you back. It was uh, again, it was great to have you. Uh, so again, at MilaniCon, uh, you can see and and the podcast. What's the podcast called? The podcast is called Il Diavolo non è del mestiere, which means the devil is not of the job. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of a a play in words because. The objective in the beginning was simply to put out there some content for fans that was not uh, littered by like the agenda at the higher levels of Italian um, media. So mm -hmm. uh, it was a very stupid play on words, but <laughs> that's our name. And so we're stuck <laughs> with it. No. Just like us, our, yeah, our, exactly. name, our name started from... I think we, it just sounded like it was you were trying to get someone to come this way. We had a picture of Allegri going like pulling you towards him, and that's <laughs> really where the name came from. So it's uh, we get you there for yeah. sure. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Well, again, thanks again, and uh, we'll for sure have you back. Thanks to everybody, and I will for sure come back. Awesome. And there you have it. Our interview with uh, Milanista, economista himself, our Zinnikol, our official Zinnikol. We're, we're now a family. It's official. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, it was a very fun conversation. So we'll for sure, uh, we'll be sure to have, uh, have him back. Um, but uh, that, <laughs> with that, a very, you know, lengthy but fun conversation. That, that, that's the show. We've got to wrap it up now. So. Uh, does anybody else have, does anybody have anything left uh, to kind of discuss before we wrap up? Uh, so with the new year uh, is the commencement of the January 
uh, silly season. Ah, sí, sí. Sí, sí. So all the noise, the noise is what rumore means in Italian. <laughs> all the noise that will come with it. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> that's all you get. That's all you get, Paul. <laughs> You could sing it next week. Yeah. Uh, Chris, anything? No, I'd probably just echo what Paulo said, kind of uh, transfer season coming around. I think most Serie A clubs have probably been linked to a player or nine, so it's, it's always fun <laughs> to see who, what actually pans out. By Paulo. Paulo usually By, Yes, <laughs> exactly. Juliano? I mean, we always got to give before it's the enter. Ah, uh, uh, um, <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> Are you hissing? <laughs> <laughs> I was saying booers. <laughs> um, yeah, no, same thing. Like transfer seasons always makes a fun and disaster. So we'll see what uh, what this one leads. Yeah, uh, we still don't have a nickname for you, so maybe we should put it up to a fan vote or something. But we got to get some options. That's the issue. We haven't even developed some options. We'll get the intern to get the ball rolling. What about like Bobo? Because he liked you like Vieri and <laughs> sure I did. And we've been talking about Bobo Glimt. Choo choo, <laughs> choo choo, <laughs> Boju, <laughs> Jubo, Jubo. You hold you. <laughs> All right, those are so the polls are going to be Boju, Juju, <laughs> Jubo, Fubo, ah. Jubo. Hey. There we go, Jubo. Oh god. Okay. Uh yeah, well I think that that kind of that is it. That that wraps up the show. We have uh next week again we're going to have our transfer special. We'll find out what we're going to call it, but that's effectively what it's going to be with no games to recap, but we'll get into all obviously all the latest rumors, kind of what to expect in the month of January and and where we maybe predict some uh some key uh, some key signings to go or, or some key holes to be filled, I guess, in, uh, in different uh, lines. We'll, we'll have, uh, Chris will develop all of these, uh, yes. these algorithms to determine where, who's going where and what's happening. So, yes. Uh, all right. Well, with that, make sure you're following us on uh, Twitter at uh, RWCalcho, on Instagram the same. Uh, and again, another shout out to uh, Milanista Economista. That's at Milan Econ. Um, and uh, make sure you listen to their uh, the podcast, El Diavolo None del Mestiere. Uh, well, with that, let's sign off here. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Okay, bye.